All right. Faith promise missions. Guess I better turn this on. Faith promise missions. Um, this church has a long history with faith promise missions. As a matter of fact, uh, as near as I can tell in talking to Brother Boonstra and Brother Whitaker, that this church... This church's interaction with Faith Promise, Faith Promise Missions probably goes back to the very first few churches that were involved in Faith Promise Missions in, amongst the independent Baptist uh, circles. Uh, Brother Boonstra, if some of you remember, he was here, preached our missions conference. Uh, man, it's been a while ago. I'd love to get him back. His health's just not quite there for letting him travel. But Brother Boonstra was involved directly with the, the spreading of the thought and idea uh, to churches uh, along that time. And uh, him and a man by the name of Clifford Clark and the other man, for the life of me, I cannot remember his name, the other preacher out of, out of Kansas, and I can't remember his name. Uh, but there were three preachers that just took the, the theme of Faith Promise Missions and just scattered it out. And uh, it was uh, outstanding, Okay. And it's based on, like I say, it's not a law of Scripture, but it is a good principle. It's a good principle that we find in Scripture, and it's, and it's so why we're going to look at it, why we use it as a practice. So most of what we're going to be looking at can be found right in 2 Corinthians, although there are some other uh, passages. Uh, and we will continue to use faith promise missions. Uh, there's been various... Uh, ideas, you know, and it, you know, as long as a church is involved in missions, uh, and to a good degree, uh, I, no, it doesn't matter how they do it, as long as they're involved in the missions, because that's fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, I like Faith Promise Missions because it, it is a church principle that functions on an individual level. And I believe that's, that's intended by Scripture, and that's one of the reasons that I like it very much. So, faith promise missions. It's our way of giving financially uh, to the cause of missionaries that are planting churches that we, that we are in agreement with, and we can choose who that might be. Um, it doesn't mean that everyone else we don't support is just wicked, vile sinners or awful people. Uh, but we typically are going to want to plant churches who are people, people who are planting churches like we are, like we believe, like we believe is correct. So uh, on the whole, this isn't necessarily completely true. Uh, as a matter of fact, we, we may, there might be some shifting of some of our mission support even in this coming year. Uh, but on the whole, we support missionaries who line up almost completely with our statement of faith. And that's not hard to do. Some, sometimes people think that's, a hard thing to do, um, but it's not hard. Heartland, uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College is putting out many missionaries who line up exactly with what this church has stood for for, for uh, decades. Uh, but Heartland isn't the only school that's doing so, but they are the one that seems to be doing the most at the moment. So it is a biblical principles, bi- biblical principle. Um, uh, Oswald Sanders has been... Um, has been uh, called one of the fathers, and he's not Baptist, and some of our guys 
heard him preach and listened to him and talk about it, went back to Scripture and studied it and found it to be a, a solid biblical principle. But Oswald Sanders seems to be the one where maybe it originated. It's hard to tell. But again, it's 2 Corinthians. If you don't know Oswald Sanders, he has a very good devotional book um, called My Utmost for His Highest. I believe, doesn't, no, that's Chambers. That's Chambers. Never mind. Oswald Sanders is a different guy. So... That, that is a good devotional book, though. My utmost for his highest. That would be, it's very helpful. All right, so 2 Corinthians. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians. So, and what Paul is dealing with here is uh, a promise that they had, they had promised to give or help support a, a particular uh, need at the church in Jerusalem, okay? And now he is dealing with that promise or with that, that promise of theirs to help. And we can boil the whole, chapters 8, 9, and 10 are pretty much the chapters that deal with it, but we can boil the whole thing down to kind of one passage. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you'll go there, we're just going to look at two verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, go down to verse 15, okay? Well, let's look at a little bit at the text here, so... Um, let's go back up to verse 11. Let such an one think this, those who think that Paul is only trying to make him feel guilty and powerful in letters, but his presence isn't all that great. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves... um, Uh, But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. So now he's he's making a transition to say, listen, God has given us a a direction and an amount of power, and he's going to make a transition from power to giving here in a minute. And he says, so far, that power that Christ has given us has enabled us now in our ministry to reach unto you there at Corinth. Okay? So verse 14, For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you. For we, listen, we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. This is how far we've made it. Okay? And we, wouldn't, we didn't stretch ourselves beyond ourselves. God, God brought us here. Okay? Now look at what he says in verse 15 again. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. So now, I'm going to try to explain this as simple as possible. Basically what Paul is saying is, we're not coming to a place where somebody else has already preached. We're coming to a new place, we're establishing new work, he's being a missionary, and he says, so far we've been able to come unto you, and at some point, we trust that when your faith is increased, but notice what he says right at the end. For, um, he says that we shall be enlarged by you. And he doesn't say that you'll be enlarged by us. He says, we're going to come up to you and help your, your faith so that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Why? To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Well, how do you think they're going to enlarge him? How in the world can the immature believers of Corinth help Paul reach lost people in the regions beyond with moolah, 
dinero, money, okay? They can help him with things like maybe a donkey, maybe food for the road, maybe, uh, maybe money to stay at an inn on the way. They are helping him in, in financial support to get him to the place where he needs to go so he can continue by the power of Christ preaching the gospel. I love how he uses this example. Hey, listen. I, he, he lays the responsibility right flat on the Corinthians. He said, listen, God brought us this far, and we've been able to work through here, and now we're kind of hung up here until you all, your faith has increased so that, you can, so that you can now help us with the wave lift us up and move us now further along uh, financially. I, I mean, he, he puts the responsibility directly on them saying, listen, the gospel go, my, my ministry reaching beyond you is entirely up to you. <laughs> that's, that's kind of direct, is it not? That's, that's pretty direct. So, so there we have again, so 15. Not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. So let me put it to you this way. Um, there's a big difference between going to an area where there are a smaller population with a large group of churches and planting a new church. Okay? You can literally have a 50 people in, 50 to 60 people in attendance just from the disgruntled members of the nearby churches. Okay? And I'm not saying that it's wrong that there should be a continuous planting of new churches or, or saving churches that are, are, are dying, bringing them back. But there's a big difference between that and going to a place where the gospel has not been ever preached or has not been preached for hundreds of years and building a new work. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here. Listen, God didn't call me to, 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 to come in and try to reestablish a work that was old. God sent me in to start new works in places where there has not been the gospel. Okay, that's what we call missionaries. Missionaries, or where the gospel has been dead for a very long time. Okay? And he says, listen, I'm not going to come in and build on some other man's work. He says, I'm not just going to take the easy route here. I'm going to go in where I've got to start from scratch, maybe itch, create an itch so there can be a scratch, and start lifting it up. He says, that's, that's what I'm doing. I don't, he says, and I have hope that you all will help me on this journey. So look at verse 16. Again, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Amen. It's easy to come in and say, look what I did when it was the previous guy that did all the work. That, you know, that, well, it's a good statement. Uh, if we have seen farther, it's because we've, we've stood on the shoulders of giants. But every generation needs giants. Every, every, every generation has to have giants. I just, there has to be. So, so if you will, so faith promised missions. Where does the faith come in? Well, Paul directly said it. When your faith is increased... So there's faith, when your faith is increased. And I'm telling you, faith promised missions is a challenge to your faith because while we should not give foolishly, uh, there should be an essence of giving by faith where we have to, there is some trust that I'm giving this to God, trusting they're going to do well with it, but also trusting God's going to help me out with what I've, I no longer have. Okay, When your faith is increased, promise... Look at that. He says that we may be enlarged by you. And what he's referencing is he's even talking to them now, and we'll, we'll look at some other passages, 
where he's, where he's even got to them, listen, you guys said you're going to help now fulfill your promise to another thing, but he's expecting them. You all, I'm expecting to be, to be enlarged by you. So there's a, there's a thought process there that the church now has a, a um, what's the word, an expectation upon them to help in the missions project in which they have to step forward and say, we're going to help, and that's why we use the word promise in there, and we'll enlarge on that a little bit. And then missions. Well, if you can't see that, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond, that's missions, okay? So we, we kind of have a little pocket, pocket version of it here, faith, promise, mission. So what is faith? Faith is, uh, we have been led astray by the world much. Faith is believing. Faith is more than believing. Faith is a believing that produces action. If it does not produce action, there is no faith. Is everybody here? Does everybody have faith in Brother Trenton's driving? Well, then get in the car with him. You hear what I'm saying? Does everybody hear? Come on now, that was funny. It's all good. Even, he, even Trenton's smiling at it. Faith is believing and acting upon it. So faith is believing God's Word and acting upon it. In this case, uh, we, could look at, we could look at the Scriptures of the giving of the Gospel, the sending out of the Gospel. Uh, first, Second Corinthians 8, chapter 8 and 10. I mean, I, I don't know if these are directly, some people make these, these passages fit in, but... Uh, 8, 2 Corinthians 8.10 says, Here and I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to, also to be a forward, before a year ago. And he's referencing their giving. He says, don't just say you're going to do it. Do it. Follow up, follow up that faith with action. Okay? Faith can be increased. Okay? Faith can be increased. It can be increased essentially through the Word of God and through preaching. Hearing the preaching and responding to the preaching of God's Word. So, faith. Faith, in this instance, is believing that is God still interested in giving out the gospel? Is God still sending men to preach the gospel? Yes. Uh, I'll tell you, seriously, I think more, people, more Christians of today's age need to consider whether God is calling them. No matter how, Well, God calls young people to do that. Oh, no, God calls all sorts of ages of people to do that. All sorts I've seen, um, I knew I was going to be a preacher from the time I was seven years old. I just, Lord put it in there from the start, okay? Uh, I, I never, again, I think I've told you about Red. Red and his wife, I can, for the life of me, could never remember the rest of his name, but I'll never forget him. Him and his wife were 80 years old, and God called them to be a missionary, missionaries to Mexico, and they knew it without a doubt. I mean, they were convinced at 80 years old that God, God wanted them to be missionaries in Mexico. Not one missions board would support them, but churches did because they believed they were supported. Their pastor believed, or they believed they were called. Their pastor believed they were called. And as far as I know, they died preaching the gospel in Mexico. Okay, so it's all ages, all ages. So faith is understanding that God wants to preach the gospel to all, all the world. God, he is still calling men to preach. He's still sending men out to missions. And he still wants me to be a part of those ministries, just like the church at Corinth was a part of Paul's. Okay, and again, how are you going to be involved in the Great Commission? Um, some of you have like a direct connection, like the Levdonskys probably have, they probably have a way to actually talk to people in Russia and give the gospel. I don't. I could talk all day long, and they can talk all day long, and it'd be, 
I have to use Google Translate just to get a halfway decent birthday card for Brother Peter that says happy birthday, I hope, in Russian. You know how translation works sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So, and listen, so how are we going to reach those countries? We're going to find people who are going there. We're going to support them. We're going to help them. We're going to be part of their ministry. Our ministry is going to be part of their ministry helping them preach the gospel in the regions beyond. So that is faith. What is the promise here? The promise, the way we function with it, is, is it, and I don't look at any of it, and I don't want names on it. It's not between you and me. It's not necessarily between the church and you. It's between you and God, but the money funnels through the church, okay? And I'm the one that has to do the budget. So I see how much comes in, but I don't know who gives, and I don't want to know who gives, okay? The promise is, to, is to, for you to earmark some of your money every week that's not going to go to you, that's not going to go to bills, it's not going to go to retirement, it's not going to go to fun, it's going to go to missions. And it's on there like it was taxes. It's a promise to God. It's funny how people think about that. They, they fuss a little bit about their taxes, but they don't ever go talk to their governor. But when it comes to their tithing and their, and their faith promise, then they start waffling with it. Like, well, God's a God of grace. Yeah, so you can keep your promise to the U.S. government, but you don't have to keep your promise to God? I just want you to think about that a second. Okay? Again, it's between you and the Lord, but you, it's, it's something you say, I'm going to give this much, and then it puts more faith on the project. Because at some point you have to say, Woo! I'm telling you, my wife and I several times have been to the point where I hope we can afford this. How much do you have on your mind? Just how much I have on my mind? Yeah, me too. Well, we know it's going to a good place. God will take care of us. Now, sometimes that's gone up. Sometimes it's gone down. It's, it's adjusted. It's not like our whole life. It's always climb, 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 climb. Situation changes. Life changes. If you make a promise that's more than your income... I just tell you, you better make sure that that's between you and God. And I mean, like you know that's what God wants you to give. Hello? Because we are still called to be good stewards as well. Faith doesn't mean stupid. <laughs> We're still called to be good stewards, okay? But it should stretch us a little bit because that's how you stretch your faith. But anyways, so the pl- promise is to, plan, is to earmark funds for a, for a certain cause, and in this case, in 2 Corinthians 8, it was to help the church at Jerusalem that was going through horrible persecution and no one had jobs, and they were sending money to that church to help, help that church financially. Okay? For us, it's helping uh, new churches or missionaries financially. It's going to that work. It's going to all sorts of things. Uh, I mean, sometimes people worry about, well, where does our money go? I don't, I don't think I've really heard that too much here. I think people here have a general generally good common sense idea about what missions funding is for. But what do we expect missionaries to do uh, with the money that they're given when they go uh, to a foreign country? Well, of course, preach the gospel, right? We want them to preach the gospel. The hope is that they'll be be able to establish churches. But we're also supporting the family. And if 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 a missionary loses his family while he's on the mission field, then we are partakers of that failure. So we also expect him to pay his bills. We also expect him to pay his electric bill. We also expect him to take his wife out on a date, if that's possible in the country they're in. You hear me? They have to maintain their family while they're on the mission field. And most other countries do not allow them to get a job while they're there. I don't know if you know that or not, 
Most of us, most of our citizens that go to other countries, they're not allowed to get a job unless they change their residency. Sometimes they do. Some, uh, if you know the Shropes, uh, some of those, th- their whole family was able to get dual citizenship in Australia and in the U.S. So they now are able to work some jobs there. Okay, but we don't want him working full-time. We're not paying him to go over there and work full-time at a job. We want him to spend his time trying to build a church, right? Now, if he has to get a little bit, great. But you understand. So you connect the dots. So we're helping to sometimes pay for clothes and school bills and electric bills and flowers for his wife and maybe a, a night out, maybe, maybe, maybe even an overnight trip for the whole family to someplace special. Do you all do that? Hello, do you all do that? Well, yeah, well, some of you, your special is different than mine. So, <laughs> but listen, we, we want them to have enough money so that they can do those things as well to maintain the family while they're in the ministry. So faith, that was extra, that was all for free. So faith, promise, and then obviously missions. We're paying them. Now, I will tell you, I have seen missionaries misuse their missionary money, um, run out maybe once a week, pass out a few tracks, and then build a home that's three times bigger than anybody else's on the whole, in the whole place where they are, have to pay extra money to run electric out like 30 miles, and nobody else has electric out there. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? I've seen people misuse their money, and, and, and that's one of the reasons that we really do like to be able to visit people on the field to, just to see, are they doing the work, you know? That's why, we, that's why we expect missionary letters. You say, why do we get all these letters? Well, they're, they're sending us a report of what they're doing. I don't have to see reports of thousands saved and hundreds baptized and everybody joined the church. And at that point, I'm going to go, so what do you need our money for? Look, see, you've got a whole big church there already self-supporting. Take off, you know. No, what we're looking for is that they're, trying, they're doing the work of preaching the gospel. God's in charge of building the church. But if people aren't out there actually preaching the gospel and instead they're on some kind of an extended vacation, I mean, seriously, let's just think about this a little bit. Who wants to volunteer to go to the Polynesian Islands? Man, that'd be rough, wouldn't it? Tahiti for the rest of your life. Fiji for the rest of your life. I don't know. Maybe your favorite place would be, you know, Kansas. I don't know. But you, you hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? There, there's there's very different idea. While we want people, we do want people out there doing the work of missions. Amen. So missions is the cause of Christ. That's the gospel. That's the fulfilling of the Great Commission. So the passage here, the passages here that we're looking at in Second Corinthians, um, they give us a basic plan or a way to go about this, uh, and maybe even some attitudes around it, uh, and the blessings that can be a result. Again, all principle. So number one. Uh, so look, turn back to 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. Now I want to be clear again, the giving of 2 Corinthians in chapter 8 is it's not faith promise missions. I know we've, we, I've heard people say that this is completely faith promise missions and this was all about the spreading of the gospel. No, the, the giving around 2 Corinthians after chapter 8 was the survival of the church in Jerusalem. It was the survival of that church. Okay, They were under severe persecution. They had uh, they were not allowed to earn money generally. In the, remember, if you remember me telling that, that to, to make money in that era, you had to be part of a guild. So if you're a carpenter, you know, like the unions, if you will, okay, but it's a guild. So you had to be part of a guild. So you're a carpenter or you're a, 
Um, maybe you're a house builder or something along that line. Maybe you're a tent maker. Maybe you're a clo- clothing maker. And you had to be part of the guild officially to be able to sell your wares. And if you were not part of the guild, you were not allowed to have a store, period. And if you did try to do something like that, they're going to come in and throw you in jail. Okay? Well, just Roman jail, think about the worst thing you can think of, that's it. So what happened was Christians became under persecution and all Christians were removed from all guilds. So they can't make money. They're already under persecution, literally at this point in fear for their lives, having to meet, (coughs) we believe, at least portion of this time, having to meet in secret uh, because they're fearful for their lives and being caught meeting, and they don't have enough money for food. I mean, they can't even get people to trade with them. I mean, for a while they can trade with each other until they run out of assets. Okay, so at some point, they've got to have enough to be able to take care of themselves. They've got to have some food to be able to buy from some merchants that might be able, I'm sorry, money to be able to buy from some merchants. So it, it, it is the survival of a church. It is towards a church, and we could consider that faith promise, but it's a wonderful principle by which they're giving, and that's the principle that we use here. Okay, so, it's a, so look at chapter 8. Hmm. And I want you to notice, first of all, that giving is the, is the grace of God. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we want you to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How then a great trial of affliction, they have their own affliction going on, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. So this is a poor church. So he's talking about Macedonia. That's a church also under affliction. It's an extremely poor church. And it says that that deep poverty, because of the grace of God, abounded unto the riches of their liberality, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord, and unto us by the will of God. So it's a work of grace. Let me tell you, it has to be something that God does in you. Okay? Um, as a matter of fact, it is something that God will do in you if you'll let Him. Okay? If, if you just sit down with your budget and a pencil, and that's how you're going to set up your, your, your missions giving, and you don't allow for the work of the grace of God in, in your life, you're going to miss the blessings of God that can, can attend when we start looking for the grace of God and how much we should give. Yes, we should look at a budget. No, you should not be foolish. But God has to be involved. He has to be involved. Because what is grace? Is, is grace something we do or is it something that God does? God does. Grace is something God does for us. If it's something we do, it's still God. It's God through us. I mean, grace doesn't come from people. It comes from God, okay? So giving is not so much, think about this. When you give to Faith Promised Missions, you you have to get rid of this idea that I'm doing something for God. No, God's doing something for you in your heart and in your belief with what you're giving. Well, I'm just not sure how much I can give or what I can give or, you know, this... You know, I want to be a blessing to the mission. Listen, whoa, 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 back up. This, again, is not what you're doing for God. God doesn't need anything. Remember? Aseity. God needs nothing. We need God. Okay? 
So grace is something God does for us. So giving is a grace, it's something that God does in us, and with giving, He does it in us and through us. What we miss is the ability to have, I'm just telling you, I, I just want you to picture this one day. You sit down and you beg God, Lord, please, I want to do right and I want to give by grace and I want to give by faith and I, Lord, I want to trust you. And so we begin to look and we begin to pray to God and say, Lord, please, what can I do? And I'm not even sure I can do that. God, please help me have faith, Lord, to, to do some of this, something. Lord, help me. And by faith, maybe yourself, maybe, and I'm just telling you, for some people, $5 a week would be like, I don't know if I can do that. For others, 500 a week would be like, ooh, that'd be stretching it a bit. You'd say, what? Oh, trust me, I've seen faith promise cards over $600 a week. So uh, it's possible. People make various amounts. It's not about the amount. It's about you and God and that amount. Don't start thinking about, well, I'll never give as much as that person. So what? It's not the amount. And don't compare yourselves among yourselves. What, what, did, the, what did Jesus say about the widow who gave her two mites? She gave more than them all. Why? Because she gave of her need. She said, somebody has a need. In her, in her mind, it was worth it to give to God out of her need because God could do better with it than she could. And it's us looking at our giving, looking at missionaries, considering the importance of the work that they're doing and then reevaluating my budget and wondering, how much grace can God use through me to be a blessing to them? And then so you set in your heart, you set in your mind, you pray about it. If you're married, you sit down with your spouse, you talk about it, and you pray about it, and you set a number out there, and you, and you say, I think this is what we want to do, and by the grace of God, we want to give this much. And it, ha- by the, it has to be by the grace of God, because we're going to need grace to give this much. And then by faith, you say, I'm glad we can do this. Thank the Lord. Here, we give this out. Now, I just want you to, okay, pause. We're all in heaven. We're all in heaven. And some person from Papua New Guinea walks up to you and says, you were a member of Jerome Bible Baptist Church in Jerome, Idaho, weren't you? Yeah. You supported the man that won my daddy to the Lord. And I became a preacher in our country. I'd consider, would it be worth it for you to give so it hurt a little so that one day somebody could stand and say to you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I want you to put that picture in your mind. I, I'm telling you, when I get to heaven, my, the, the pastor that led my parents to the Lord is in heaven now, and I'm telling you, he's, he's, gonna be, he's on my list of people I want to see when I get to heaven. Thank you for visiting my family. Thank you for visiting my family, especially my mom was quite a piece of work in those days, I'm just telling you. And, and he gave her the love of Christ. I, just thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And people are going to want to, amen. Heaven's going to be full of a lot of thankfulness. I wonder how long it'll take us to get done with just being thankful to the people that God has used in our life. But anyways, so Giving is a work of grace. Now, it's not related to our circumstances. Well, why do you say that? Well, what's the giving here in Macedonia? It says they had, a great, they had their own problems. They didn't say, man, I'm sorry, I just don't think we can help right now. 
We got our own problems. Do you hear that? <laughs> I, I got my. Own, I just don't think we can give right now. We got our own problems. No. What does what does Paul say? Well, I'm gonna get beyond. No, I, I think I should say it. For to their power, verse three, I bear record, and yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. I, I think that's the best place to start. You know what I love to see in any church member for any position whatsoever? First and foremost, okay, well, maybe second most. First and foremost is always faithfulness. Second most is willingness. Willingness. If I talk to someone and I can see they're just not willing to do this, I ain't going to push them to do it. Because if they're not willing to do it, they're going to get in the job and not do it. Hello? Are you all here? Okay, and I think you all have seen that the same way in your, in, your, in your businesses, okay? They were willing to go beyond what they could do. Doesn't mean that's what they did per se, but they were willing to. Amen. I wish I could give more. Now, granted, they still gave. They didn't say, be warmed and filled. Really wish I could give you $1,000, but I don't have that, so Sorry. No, they said, oh, they need it worse than I do. Whew, it's bad over here, but they look bad. You know what, Lord, please, can you make this? It's not much. <laughs> we'll split it. We, we sometimes forget that brothers in Christ, if they were sitting right here with us, if they were sitting right here with us, and all we had was one hamburger and there were two of us, what would we do? We'd cut it in half, right? Did you hear me? We forget that our, our brothers in Christ who are out there preaching, they're just not with us, but the need is the same. So at some point, thank the Lord, we have some abundance, and many other countries still have abundance, but thank the Lord, they need from us. So at some point, we have to realize, you know what? Their need is as great as mine, and I wish I could do more. Let's just split what we got and we'll trust God for the rest. Amen. I think this is a good, this is beyond their power. Okay. Now notice verse 5, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. And this they did not as we hoped, but first, listen, gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So what does he mean by that? Well, number one, giving is not a commitment to the missionary. I mean, it is, we're going to give the missionary, but we're committing it to God. It's the same as your tithe. When you bring your tithe in, it's, it's not a handle by which you can control the direction of the church. No, God sets that in the Scripture. God sets that in Scripture. You hear, you hear what I'm saying? Your tithe isn't your, your brownie points to be able to have input at the church. However, if you don't tithe, there's no input. Uh, but anyways, the same works with missionaries. It's not so we got some handle on the ministry. No, we're giving that money to God and trusting God with those missionaries. And when he says unto us, you have to realize what he's referencing is unto us. He's talking about the cause that he's talking about. That we're coming through, we're getting money for this need, and they're, they're committing themselves to the cause and to the people who are representing that cause. Okay, so it's not necessarily like they're, um, 
just promising Paul. He says, unto us, not unto me. So if I could use that word, the cause, I think that's probably the simplest way to say that. So, so the twofold commitment. It's, to, it's commitment to God and to God's cause of the spreading of the gospel or the fellowship. And this, and this point, as Paul calls it in verse 4, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Okay. Now, so it's a, it's a matter of commitment to God. Okay, Giving is a matter of grace. It's a grace. It's a work of God's grace in us to others. It's a commitment to God, and it is a matter of the heart. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look down at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to listen to prove the sincerity of your love. You say you love the gospel. You say you love believers. Here's how you're going to prove it. Here's how you're going to prove it. You're going, you're going to help give to other needy believers and to the work that they're, that they're trying to do where they are. Okay? Um, and then look at verse 24. Wherefore, show ye to them, well, let's see, go back to verse 23. Uh, Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ, and the glory of Christ, Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. In other words, saying, listen, we're going to send people to you to collect this money. Show what, show what it is that you said you're going to do. Bring forth the money. <laughs> show the sincerity of your love. Okay? And of course, he's also telling them to express that same love to those people who are receiving it. So, um, if, we go, if we go to back up to verse 10, verse 10. He wants it to be a, a ready gift, okay? And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. In other words, you promised something a year ago, I want you to do it, here's, here's my advice. Now therefore, perform the doing of it. If you said you're going to do it, do it. That as there was a readiness of will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Don't just let it stop in here, and in here, let it reach out to here, which is almost all Christianity. We all love to talk about, oh, religion is something of the heart. Christianity is in the heart. If your Christianity doesn't reach out to your fingers, hands, and mouth, it's no Christianity at all. It's just religion. Okay? Amen. I'll say amen to that one. That's a, that's a good one. Amen. All right. So it also needs to be willingness. Willingness. So Second Corinthians again in chapter 8. We're going to be pretty much here in just chapter 8. So look at verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Okay, verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, not according to the, that he hath not. I love this verse. This is a good verse because there have been times where people feel like that they just feel like they've got to give and give and keep giving and... and you know, sometimes God leads people to give. I, I was it, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, J.C. Penney or one of those guys that wanted to live on the 10% and give his 90%. But there was, there was a man, he had a great business. So living on 10% for him was like cinch. You still live in one of the nicest homes in the community. I say cinch. Uh, it's not, that's never as nice as it sounds. Making more money always has more responsibilities with it. But, so he was able to take 90% of his income and give that back to, to missions and functionally live still on the 10%. So 
So when it says, according to a man hath, not that he hath not, he's not expecting us to be foolish with our money. Not expecting us to be foolish. There still has to be some consideration for what's coming in and what has to go out. Okay? And it, and it references a willing mind. So I'll just put it this way. If you are not willing to give what you're giving, you need to change what you're giving or change your heart. You hear what I'm saying? If you're not willing to give what you're giving, you need to... I might, let, let me reverse that. You either need to change your heart or change what you're giving. Um, life changes. Uh, people lose jobs. Um, uh, now it's, it's interesting to me that somehow God is able to keep them able to keep their promise that they give till the, till the following year, but they have to re-examine it. And you know, there, there's, it is not wrong for a missions giving to drop when your income has been cut to 25% of what it was. Okay, now again, as long as there's conversations with God happening. I've told you before about the man who, who unqualified, without question, knew God wanted him to increase his missions giving by four. Four hundred percent. So he was. I mean, him and his wife prayed about it. They talked about it, and he knew without a doubt. I mean, no doubt in his mind that he was supposed to give four times more than he had the previous year. And he went to his pastor and said, "I don't know what to do about this." And like a good pastor, the pastor said, "I am not God. I cannot tell you to give if that's right to give or wrong to give. That is between you and God." I can tell you this, if you feel like that is what God wants you to do, and you know that without a question, you need to do what God says. But just make sure it's not just some, you know, emotional response to the missions conference, like, oh, I just, I want to give four times. I, you know, I make 500 a week, but I'm going to promise to give 1,200 a week. Okay? So in his mind, so I'm going to give four times, and he wasn't even sure about it, and so they started giving, and literally within four weeks of him writing that down, he worked for a company called Microsoft. Within four weeks of him writing that four-figure down, their, com- their company ran into a massive roadblock that literally affected the whole company. And he kept looking at it thinking, I think I got the answer to this. So he sat down over the weekend and he looked at the problem. He began to go through all the books and he solved the problem by Monday and on Tuesday, his income increased four times because he solved a company-wide problem. He didn't know that was going to happen beforehand. Now, how does that happen? That only happens when you absolutely know by the good grace of God and communication with God that that's what you're supposed to do. Amen? I have known people to give more than they should have because of the emotion the emotional response to a missions conference. You don't give out of emotion. You give out of faith and grace and talking to God himself. Amen? So it is, if you're not willing to give what you're giving, you do have to change your heart. You do have to work on a heart problem there. There's a willingness, that's a heart problem. But it could also be that you're literally hurting yourself. So it's giving out of a man hath, not that he hath not. Amen? Okay? So readiness willingness now it still goes beyond them it's kind of an interesting balance isn't it because they were willing beyond themselves but paul's saying it's still not based on what you don't have so there's a there's a balance you're seeing that there has to be a god communication in what you're giving to missions there has to be a communication between you and god and wise decision making but also putting myself 
further out, extending myself further than I think I can. Okay, so there has to be some faith in there. And then, of course, liberality. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again, verse 2. How in the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Again, liberality, uh, we're not talking about politics here, okay? We're talking about being generous with money. Liberality has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the giver. I'm going to say it again. Liberality has nothing to do with the amount. It has everything to do with the giver. Um, when, when we were traveling evangelism, you know, we went to big churches and little churches. And of course, typically the big churches gave you a better offering than the little churches. Okay? Because there's more people, so you got more income, so you got more money. But there was one church, Calvary Baptist Church in Armada, Michigan, that it, I don't think it ever had more than 50 people, probably less. I think probably between 40 and 50 people. It wasn't even a town, it was a village. Um, there was a couple people that made decent money, but most of them more like welfare. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of those folks were on welfare when we were going there initially. And uh, they loved us to death. And we loved them. It was a great church. Just one of those churches that you... I don't know how to explain it, but you just go there. We knew the people. We loved the people. They were, uh, we understood them. We talked to them. We just had, we had lots of joy together. And what they would do during the week, we'd be in our, we'd be in our, our little fifth wheel or our little tra- travel trailer out there. And next thing you know, here comes knock, knock, knock. And here'd be, here'd be somebody coming and giving you the, the cheese and peanut butter and other stuff that they had been given on their food program from the government. And I'm telling you, actually that, Five-pound block of cheese was pretty good cheese. I actually enjoyed that cheese. Five-pound block of cheese, they'd come by. It was theirs. They'd say, no, we got two. We got plenty. You take this. They're on welfare. We feel like they need it, but for to turn it down would be a slap in the face of them, and it would be denying the work of the grace of God in them to be a blessing to us. And frankly, you know, grilled cheese sandwiches, you can live a long time on grilled cheese sandwiches. And five pounds of cheese goes a long ways. I don't know if you all remember the five-pound things of cheese they used to, you know, okay. Looked like Velveeta, but it was in a five-pound box. And uh, I'll never forget that. Those were special days when, when the church, and it was just as special when we came out of uh, Canada from six weeks in Canada going to little dinky churches that could just, pretty much they got us the gas to get to the next church, and that was it. Six weeks of that, that does not pay the bills. We had phone bills and, you know, you got insurance and you got payments. And, and we come out of that and we dropped into a church that did not have a schedule, but we knew the preacher that was going to be there. They ended up having a sing all week, a church of like 2,500 people. And we walked out with a massive love offering that helped take, which we weren't even there to, to sing or anything. They shouldn't even give us a love offering. But because we were there and we were willing, they gave us a love offering that covered our bills. Again, generosity. So you can't look at liberality as something like, well, you know, that person, they make lots of money, so they should be liberal. No, every person in this room needs to have liberality. Every person in this room needs to be the widow and her mites, giving of themselves to others. Amen. It's, it's, 
If, if, you are, if you are wealthy and you have access to that, you need to give more. If you are poor, you still need to give. It, I mean, it's, it's not according, listen, it's not according to the amount, it's according to the giver. To be connect the dots there, okay? And by the way, just because a person looks rich doesn't mean that they're, believe it or not, because I have had friends in this realm, doesn't mean they have access to a lot of money. <laughs> as shocking as that may seem, and it's a long explanation, but we'll, we don't have to work on that right now. But I have seen wealthy people who are generous, and I have seen poor people who are generous. It's about the liberality of the heart. The, Proverbs 11.25 says, The liberal soul shall be made fat. Not the liberal wallet shall be made fat. <laughs> the liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen. All right, and then Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine. Look down. Look down at verse seven. And this is, uh, this is. Well, we'll do one more point past this one. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Look at verse seven. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Two points out of this. Number one is my belief of all of faith promise. I'm not so concerned with how much is given as who is the number of people that gives. What's the first, what's the first two words in this verse? Every man. You know what I want to see in every faith promise? I want to see 100% involvement. 100% involvement. That means... If there's a little kid, they can give. If they're in Sunday school regular, they can give. They should be tithing, giving a mission, something. Give them a job. Give them, give them some money. Well, I can't give them that much. You know what? Five cents. What kid, a little kid learning to give five cents or a penny, he's learning to give. Learn to give. 100% involvement. If there's two incomes, start thinking about that. Two, two incomes in the house, start thinking about that. Okay? Every man involved. Well, I just can't give that much. Other people need to give. Other people are going to give, and you need to give too. Every man. Okay, so that's the first, the first, one was, first principle is 100% involvement. According as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Again, we're going to go right back to that idea there, but if you are not giving cheerfully, there's something wrong either with your heart or your amount. Okay, and... Cheerful giving can have just as much to do with not giving enough as it is with giving too much. Cheerful giving. You need to be a cheerful giver. If you're giving and you're getting mad at God, you do need to start working on your heart. But it, it might be fair to look at how much you're giving that you might be giving foolishly and then blaming God for not taking care of you. You hear what I'm saying? Everybody connect. You have to connect. Now, Is God going to take care of us? Yes, he's going to give us what we need. But we have to be careful that there is a a possibility that we can be foolish with what God has given us to be a steward of. But we do need to be a cheerful giver. If you're you're giving to missions and you're like, now that doesn't mean you don't do, listen, we all pass through times when you're like, oh my goodness, you know, if we didn't have that, we could do that. We can pay that bill off. We wouldn't have to do that. It's not like we're not human and don't do that. But when it's like an every week thing and you're getting mad at God about this, you need to stop and look at your heart. Number one, look at your heart. There's, there's an issue of your heart. But make sure it's also not an issue of your giving as well so that the next time this cycle's around, look at it and make sure, I wonder if I need to be a little bit wiser with, my, with what God has given me 
I wonder if that's what God's expecting me to do. Okay? So just that there's, there's always a matter of talking with the Lord and cheerful, cheerful giving. Now, I know we'd all be happy if we didn't have to give, and that's a heart problem. <laughs> that's a heart problem. There has to be a cheerfulness in giving, not a cheerfulness in not giving. Okay? So, um, can we ever give back to God as much as He's given us? For God so loved the world that He gave what? Yeah. You think you're going to pay that one back? So, just because you can't pay it back, don't try? No. <laughs> no. Do we owe God? Does God expect us? No, 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 you're, you're missing the point. There should be a response to the love of God to you that brings the love of God back out to love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen. This whole ministry, everything about it is we love God because He first loved us. If you're having a hard time doing that, the problem is not with God. Listen, the problem is not with God. He already gave. Oh, and by the way, He's still giving. And if we're having a problem with what we're giving, almost always the problem is here. Here, okay? Now, it almost sounds like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk against myself, but again, what did the Lord say about the widow's might? Did he praise her? Yes. Does, does God respond to sacrificial giving of a believer? Now, let me ask you a question. Find God. If that's what you want, take it. Is that sacrificial giving? No. God, I, I can't afford this, and you know it, but I want to be a blessing to that. And I still got some issues over here, but Lord, it's the, it's the work of... It's, those people need... What, what you want, Lord? But you, you, you take... Whatever you want, God. I'd be willing to give it all. What, what do you want, God? Do you hear what I'm saying? Sacri- it's, there's a lot going on right here. Not so much with how much is coming in and out of here. It's here. Here. Sacrificial giving, God seems like he always blesses sacrificial giving. Okay? Amen. And it doesn't always come back in the way you think. We always want, well, if I'm giving money, God's going to bless me with more money, right? That's not always how it works. You, you know the whole story about when you're out of the will of God, you're out of the work of God, and you, you get all your money, and God says it's like you know, you're, trying to, you're trying to hoard it, and it feels like you're stuffing it in a bag with holes. Where'd it go? This, because you're, you're feeling the loss? <laughs> God, can, God can improve the... the where the money went as well. Sometimes he can make, you know, the gas last a little longer. Or, or you know, sometimes we're like, oh, man, you know, that, that one tank, that was great. Thank, you know, that was just really good. I'm going to get gas there every time. It might have been the Lord said, they're going to need a little bit more mileage out of this tank. Shoes, you don't need to buy new shoes. I'm sorry, ladies. Oh, come on. Okay. I'm going to keep you here another 15, 20 minutes. You all will start getting laughing and getting into this. Getting into some, getting into some amens here. Listen, when, when Paul, if, go, go read, if you get a chance later, go read Philippians in chapter 4 and look at, look at the response of the giving. 
through the church of, there's the church of Philippi, I think Thessalonica, maybe Macedonia is all in there, and talking about the giving and how God looks at that, Philippians in chapter 4. Go, go read that just sometime. But I'm telling you, when you give to God, He will not be in your debt. He will not be in your debt. There will be fruit that will abound to your account. Amen. Ecclesiastes says it this way, cast your bread upon the waters. <laughs> cast your bread upon the waters. I'm telling you, there is... There is, um, when you learn how well God can take care of you, your fear of how much you're giving will disappear. When you learn that God is trustworthy, you can trust Him, and He will take care of you, then the fear of how much you're giving will disappear. Amen. God is a good God. So we use faith, promise, missions. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the privilege.